This podcast is sponsored by Picmonic. In 2011, two medical students came up with the ingenious idea to combine medical education with unforgettable characters and ridiculously memorable stories. Featuring over 35,000 high-yield facts and graphics, Picmonic has helped over 600,000 students improve exam scores and perform better clinically. Picmonic has resources for pre-med and medical students, as well as other healthcare professions. Check out the show notes for a link to their website. Mention the podcast when you subscribe. With Picmonic, you can study less, but remember more. Hello, I'm Stephen, host of the Black Doctors Podcast, here to talk about Clove. Clove is a sneaker specifically designed to meet the needs of healthcare professionals. I have a pair and I love how comfortable these shoes are, especially since I'm on my feet all day as an anesthesiologist. These shoes are perfect for the operating room because they are extra grippy and super easy to wipe clean at the end of the day. Purchase any pair of clove shoes and compression socks at checkout. Use the code BDPXCLOVE to get your socks for free. A $22 discount just by listening to the show. The Black Doctors Podcast highlights the stories of minority professionals with the goal of inspiring others. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others because the next generation can't be what they don't see. Tune in every Monday to hear our stories told by us. Hello, welcome back to the Black Doctors Podcast. I'm Stephen, your host. Today, I'm joined by a fellow podcaster, a fellow alumnus of the Howard University College of Medicine, Dr. Derek Burgess. He is the host and creator of Time Out with the Sports Doctor, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, he had me on his show, and it is my pleasure to return the favor. Derek, welcome to the podcast. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Man, so you are, you know, probably the, the dream of, of half the folks going to medical school. You're an orthopedic surgeon. You're a subspecialist. Uh, but let's start at the beginning. Now, you started out down south at Xavier University, which is the home to, to so many future black physicians, pharmacists, etc. Everybody that goes to Xavier is successful. Um, but what was your experience transitioning from Xavier to Howard University for medical school? Yeah. Well, first, let me touch on what was it like transitioning into Xavier, because mm-hmm. I think that was a bigger transition for me. I grew up in North Alabama, Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Um, I grew up in a, a city that was probably about 15 percent um, African-American. I went to a high school that had similar numbers. So my graduating class of about 130 people had probably 15 uh, minority students. So my uh, experience growing up was, of course, when you get to some of the higher level classes, um, AP classes and honors classes, it would be myself and maybe one or two other African-American students. So I grew up um, kind of being that token black guy, so to speak. Um, And then I got to Xavier and I walked on campus and was overwhelmed by, you know, number one, the level of academic excellence that everyone had and coming from schools all across America, you know, private schools, boarding schools, and just elite public schools across all America. And I was like, wow, okay, I'm not special at all, number one, and I'm probably a little bit behind. So it was a great experience. And then to see just people coming together from all walks of life, and it was okay to be smart. It was okay to be a nerd. It was okay to go to the library to study instead of going to the club. And you can, everyone can find their, their circle to belong to. Uh, so it was such a supportive environment. 
uh, made lifelong friends there in the dorms, as well as in classes and in the fraternity. Um, and then the thing about Xavier, as you know, I think it was probably the heyday then. We were putting out 100, 110 people to medical and dental school each year. So especially going to Howard, I already knew 10, 15, 20 people in Howard wow. uh, Medical School. So it made that transition a lot easier. So so did you did you know that you wanted to go to medical school once you got to Xavier? I did. I did. I okay. went there for that reason. I was pre-med all the way. Yeah. So, so then that transition to Howard, you said you already had a, a, a family. Right. Right. So actually, um, when I went to Howard, the president of the medical school at that time was a, f- a fellow fraternity member, um, a graduate of Xavier, and he took me around when I went to interview, introduced me to people, and that made you know a huge impact just on the interview day, being able to know someone that's already in the um, at a high level in the school. Um, so that ability to have just a network of supportive people, um, second years, third years, as you go through your process, especially with medical school, is invaluable. And then uh, how far, because looking back, because you had a history, you were an athlete. And mm-hmm. was that, you know, why you were already headed into orthopedic surgery? Or did you find that specialty in medical school? Yeah, so I, I actually said from day one, pretty much, I want to be an orthopedic surgeon before mm-hmm. I really even knew what it would take to uh, become an orthopedic surgeon. And that was from an injury that I had in high school uh, where I met an orthopedic surgeon, Dr. John Young. And he opened up his office for me to come and shadow uh, during high school. I would go back during breaks um, at Xavier, and I would be with him in the operating room. I would see, you know, procedures. I had no clue what was going on, but I was, you know, absorbing it. And then I would go back and just talk to him about my plans, and that helped because many times when you go to medical school, you might think you have a clue of what you want to do. Or yeah. some people go to medical school and have no clue. They just know they want to be a doctor, which is perfectly <laughs> fine, you know, because truly you don't know until you really get exposed to the, the different uh, rotations, especially during the third and fourth years of medical school. But it just happened to work out for me. I said I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon, and by the grace of God, I am. Yeah, so once you landed at Howard, knowing that you're going to match into this incredibly uh, challenging specialty, how did you set yourself up to match? Yeah, so the match, right? So I had a double match because the first time I went through the match, I got that, um, what well, we do it on Monday, and then you find out where you're going on Thursday or Friday. Yeah, so yeah. I found out that I was not fully matched. And so I went through the whole scramble process and didn't, you know, of course, with orthopedics, there's only a handful of spots open, if any. So I matched into general surgery internship at Howard. So I had to, you know, it was a crossroad is do I go into another career that I can match into this year or do I take my chances and continue to chase this dream of orthopedic surgery? And I chose the latter. Now, as a general internship, uh, doing a general surgery internship, thank God I was at Howard where I end up matching into orthopedics because yeah. You still have to be an intern, right? <laughs> so it's okay if you want to chase your dream, but you know you got Q2 call, Q3 call, whatever. Mm-hmm. And this was before the 80-hour work week. I remember I worked about 110 hours or something crazy my first year uh, for Thanksgiving. My parents were in town. But I think the 80-hour work week went into effect maybe the next year. 
Um, so it was stay here and grind it out all day and figure out how you're going to get into orthopedics. So that still meant going to grand rounds at six o'clock in the morning, uh, staying around to help out the residents after my regular shift, trying to dip out of as many general surgery cases as I can to go to orthopedic cases, as well as trying to interview. Yeah. You're helping out the orthopedic surgery residents. Absolutely, because I wanted them to know that I, I, I was serious about this dream that I'm trying to chase. So I was trying to help them out as much as I could. I was going to lectures in the morning. I was going to grand rounds and, you know, still being a general surgery intern. Oh, that's huge, man. It shows that, I mean, hard work definitely pays off. There's times, you know, sometimes you got to grind it out. You can look back and see exactly how worth, you know, every minute of that time was. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So what was your experience? I mean, as a general surgery intern at Howard, you would have worked with some incredible people, Dr. Uh, LaFall, Cornwell. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what was that experience? Yeah, Dr. Callender, Dr. Uh, mm-hmm. LaSalle LaFall, I call him at the end of his career. It was like walking down, like walking down a museum of uh, general surgery. Being able to be there with some of the first generation of African-American general surgeons. It was a level of excellence that you had to live up to. Uh, Dr. Ford was over the program at that yeah. time. It, it was just great. Uh, I think you mentioned Dr. Wendy Green when you were on my show. Uh, she yeah. was just coming back as faculty at the time. Um, so, and Dr. Now current president of Howard University uh, was one of our, yeah, Dr. Frederick was one of our um, preceptors at the time. So there was a level of excellence and there was a standard that you definitely had to hold yourself up to. So it wasn't any slacking on rotations simply because I wanted to do orthopedics because I still had to earn a letter of recommendation from all those people as well. Because if I didn't perform well on their rotations, Dr. Thompson's office was right down the hall. You know, all it took was one call and I was completely burned. So I had to upload, uphold a, a level of excellence even during that internship as well. Yeah. And, you know, I can't get away from plugging the value of these historically black colleges, universities. Xavier constantly comes up. Um, These stories that like Derek just shared, working with faculty members that are incredibly brilliant and gifted and living legacies of our communities. That's what you find at these different institutions. So totally invaluable opportunity. And no matter how big that person is or how big their name is, all they really cared about was you get the quality training experience because they knew that once they released you into the world, that you had to be able to perform at a high standard no matter where you were going. So they cared about you um, and they cared about your outcome. They cared about your future. It's huge because you don't get that everywhere you go, mm-hmm. especially being in a, a subspecialty. Many times they're trying to weed out people. Um, but at Howard, I would say for sure, I never felt like they were trying to do anything that wasn't in my best interest. Yeah. And you talked about, uh, you know, being released. So, so you had that transition into Xavier, found that community, transferred over to Howard with a similar community. Once you were done with orthopedic surgery residency, you transitioned back out into the wild, if you will. So you went to Cincinnati for a specialty in sports medicine. Yeah, so I did a one-year fellowship at Cincinnati Sports Medicine, um, and we, uh, Dr. Frank Noyes was the founder of that group, and I worked very closely uh, with Dr. Mark Galloway, who 
became a great mentor for me. He's now current uh, head team physician for the Cincinnati Bengals. And, hmm. you know, he took me under his wing. He taught me a lot about life and transitioning into practice and just how to build a practice, which is something that you don't learn as a medical student or learn as a even resident many times. You're just trying to learn how to do these uh, partic uh, particular procedures or techniques. Uh, but to learn, to learn the practice of medicine and learn the business side of medicine is a whole nother ball game that you usually don't really even tap into until you're finishing or in practice or doing your fellowship. Yeah. So can you kind of talk about your current practice as a sports specialized uh, orthopedic surgeon? I saw your Instagram live today. You're kind of talking and walking yeah. through your practice. But can you explain, you know, what is sports medicine and what do you do from day to day? Yeah, so sports medicine is a vast field. So it's many different ways to get into sports medicine. You can either get into sports medicine by being a trainer, an athletic trainer, a physical therapist. Um, you can do primary care sports medicine. And I, I'm a orthopedic surgeon who specializes in sports medicine. So mm -hmm. the difference between all the people I named before is that I do surgical procedures. And when you say sports medicine, it's usually minimally invasive um, arthroscopic procedures that we do on the uh, shoulder, hip, knee. Uh, we do a lot of ligament reconstruction, a lot of cartilage preserving uh, procedures. Uh, we do uh, a lot of fractures and ankle sprains and bumps and bruises. But from a surgical standpoint, many things that we're doing is to preserve a joint where you know you have joint replacement surgeons who come in and replace the joint later. I do some of that as well. Uh, but many things that we uh, treat are to treat acute injuries that happen as well as some kind of injuries that happen from wear and tear of just doing your sport uh, over mm -hmm. and over again. But I treat from you know the pediatric population to weekend warriors, um, but I do treat a lot of high level, you know, high school and college athletes and some professional athletes as well. Yeah, so what's a typical week look like for you? How much time do you spend in clinic versus the OR? Yeah, so my uh, schedule is almost I say 60-40 split between clinical and surgical. Okay. Many days you I'll be in the clinic, I'll be in the office setting or seeing patients in the in inpatient setting, you know, if they're admitted after surgery. So we cover kind of the full spectrum. So you might be you might see me in the emergency room from taking call as a trauma patient or if you have an acute knee injury, you could be seen in the emergency room and then I work up that injury in my office and get special tests, MRIs, or whatever it needs. And then I can take that same patient to surgery to do their uh, procedure to correct whatever the problem is. I'll then see that same patient back to take them through their recovery phase. Um, I interact a lot with physical therapists, uh, with athletic trainers to come up with a planning, planning regimen of how to get the athlete back from an injury back to their play. So I practice medicine in a um, hospital setting I'm a hospital-employed physician. We can kind of talk about what that means. Um, but I do a lot of my health care at schools, on site, in training rooms, you know, mm. actually on the field, um, and ba on basketball courts. So you can really find me all over the place, you know, from surgery to the local schools to the emergency room to the operative suite. So there's never, never a dull moment or never a day yeah. that, you know, just have the monotonous feel of, oh, I got to do this again because it you know, changes every day and sometimes multiple times a day. Yeah, so it, we can dig into that. You're an employed physician versus uh, starting your own private practice. Yeah, exactly. So this is one of the first times, I believe, in history 
where I think it might be about a 51-49 split where there are more employed orthopedic surgeons in private practice. Um, and what mm -hmm. that means is that you work for an institution, either a hospital or a corporation. So there are also people who come out and go into a group practice, which is still private practice, where you might be in a group of orthopedic surgeons or rheumatologists or a specialty group that has many different specialties in one group. So the day of having just individual orthopedic surgeons with one or two, it's very rare that you're going to see a practice that small. It's either going to be a large practice of 10, 12, 15 surgeons, or many people are employed by a larger group right now. Yeah. So as you're out visiting sports teams, your, your team doc or whatever, how does that, are you compensated for that? How does that work with your hospital contract? Yeah, so there's different models. Some people will pay you um, to cover events, just kind of to cover a particular event. Um, you could also, there's not really, you know, we talk about RVUs a lot. There's not necessarily an RVU value attached to it. Um, you can get a medical directorship to be able to run a sports program, and that might cover all the different fees of things that it takes to be a sports medicine doctor from doing pre-participation physicals to um, going out to do training rooms mm -hmm. once or twice a week to mm -hmm. actually being present at the sporting events. So one of the main sporting sports that you would normally see a physician on the sideline is football because it's a collision sport and there's a high risk of an acute injury from a head injury to a fracture or to a, a ligament injury. So there's something that might need to be assessed right away. So that's why you see so many physicians um, on the sideline for football. Uh, but yeah, there's many different models of how you can get paid to be an actual sports doctor as far as covering events. And, you know, all contracts are different, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing and, and continuing that legacy of Howard uh, Orthopedic Surges, man. You guys are uh, incredibly impressive and, and love seeing what you do. Even when you're doing that, what was the little burr? Cause, so when you guys are working on ligaments and and stuff, you you do arthroscopic. Can you explain arthroscopic surgery to uh, our listeners? It's pretty cool. Yeah. So arthroscopic surgery is where you go into a joint, let's say the knee, right? So you make maybe a one centimeter incision on the sides of the knee. And then you have what's called an arthroscope, which is a camera. And you go inside the knee, you fill the knee up with water, which expands the space in the knee. So you can see all the joint surfaces of the knee of the knee. And then you can make another accessory portal where you go in with devices like a shaver or a probe um, or a burr, like you mentioned, or a drill um, to actually drill tunnels or to be able to fill because it's the incisions that you make are so small that you can't get your hand inside the joint. But the arthroscope allows you to go move around the joint systematically to see all the different surfaces, uh, to assess the knee and to make sure that your MRI lines up with what you actually see. And from that, I mean, we can do ligament reconstructions. We can do articular cartilage procedures where we're actually stimulating cartilage to grow back into the knee. Uh, we mm -hmm. can address meniscus tears. Um, repair the meniscus, remove parts of the meniscus. So there are many different things that we can do from, you know, an incision that's about a one centimeter incision. And that's something that was not present, you know, 30 years ago. So one thing about sports medicine that is a rapidly advancing field from a research, uh, from a technique standpoint, even since I graduated in 2012, I mean, yeah, 2012, there are new procedures that have already been created. So you 
You have to stay abreast with current technology. Continuous medical education is, you know, very important because if not, the field will pass you by. Yeah, yeah, I'm super impressed watching you guys do the arth- arthroscopic surgery because I can't tell what you're looking at. Everything's white. Yeah. And y'all just keep grinding and grinding and grinding with that tug on uh, burr. Yeah, so, up is so. down and down is up and left is right. And yeah, it's like you're standing on top of your head in the beginning. Makes you that's dizzy awesome. watching somebody that's not used to doing it. Oh, yeah. Well, Dr. Burgess, we got to talk about it. Um, you got a nice plaque hanging behind your head. You, in addition to working with athletes and, and treating all these sports-related injuries, you, in your spare time, are the founder and host creator of a podcast, Time Out with the Sports Doctor. Can you talk about what led you to, to step into this uh, form of communication? Sure. So as we mentioned before, I talked about mentorship, and I feel like mentorship is very important. And I felt that I had a, my time that I have to interact with a patient or an athlete is very limited in the office setting. And I can only be so many places at one time. But mentorship is something that I really cherish and I really think is important. And being that we are, in many instances, first-generation physicians, uh, first-generation professionals, Many times you don't have that person in your family to model after, you know, for what you want to achieve. So I feel that this platform is an ability for me to introduce people Mm -hmm. to like minded people, as well as it can serve as a role model for someone who says, hey, I want to be an anesthesiologist. Hey, what does it mean to be a military physician? And I say, you know what? I did a a show with Dr. Stephen Bradley. Go listen to the show, number one. His information is in the show notes. Connect with him and tell him that I sent you to talk to him about that. So it gives me more uh, information that I can pass on and share. Some of the things that I focus on on my show, I say it's where life, sports, and medicine intersect. Me as a sports medicine physician, you know, I have other doctors on. I also have athletes. I have entrepreneurs on. And I'm really trying to teach some of the lessons that I'm learning in real time to the masses. Um, You know, when the pandemic first started and had some time to really sit at home and connect with people that I hadn't talked to in a long time, and we started discussing investments, Uh, we started discussing real estate. And I realized that, man, I'm almost 40 years old and I'm like a kindergartner when it comes to some of these very basic business terms. And I felt almost insulted by it or like I had been cheated because I've gone to school for so long However, I don't have a grasp at all on some of these important concepts of life. So I started reading more. I started talking to people more. And that was kind of the birth of this podcast. And every time that I sit down with someone to connect, um, number one, I learn something from them. And then generally, I'm led to another person who can help me in my field or who, you know, can provide better information. So it's just been a very powerful tool uh, for myself, uh, for my kids. They're hearing these conversations at such a young age. You know, they already know what the difference is between passive and active investments, you know, and it's just valuable tools that I can give them. You know, we work on mindset I say, I want to help you strengthen your mindset, grow your assets, and give you practical tools that will help you achieve whatever level of success that you want. And that's different for everybody, but I think that everyone can get something from this show no matter where you are in your stage of life. Yeah, and when did you first launch the podcast? Yeah, Father's Day of 2021, so 10 months ago. 
Ooh, coming up on on the year. How, and and yeah. how's it going, man? And enjoying the time, or, or what? What have you learned, man? I, I've learned really the power of networking um, yeah. and the power of using your voice because we all have a unique story. And the more that you will share about your story, the better you will connect with other people because there's someone out there who's going through exactly what you've been through, and they feel isolated. They feel alone. They feel like, you know, this could be the end. But if you share your struggles, um, you'll help someone else. And that's one powerful tool that I've learned from podcasting. For me, one of the hardest things, honestly, is I think I appear as a very extroverted, outgoing person, but I'm I'm actually not. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I might mention this to you before. One of the good things about podcasting is I get to have somebody else. I get to have a yeah. guest here. I can ask you mm-hmm. you questions, Derek, the show, you are the show, because I'm more of a supporting character. But something that I've worked on, um, mm-hmm. I think in the future, I'm going to work on doing more solo episodes. But definitely over the almost two years that I've been podcasting, like I've had to kind of uh, try to get out of my own way to, you know, highlight the guests. But eventually, you know, I want to I start sharing more from the heart, like you mentioned, for you, you know, what was uh, one of the harder things to to figure out when you started podcasting? Yeah, so what you mentioned and having a great coach, uh, Dr. Nee Darko, you know, <laughs> I mentioned him, I think, on every episode, some yeah. kind of way, uh, Doc's outside the box. But that's who I did some of my early training with. And he said, mm-hmm. you know, you do a great job interviewing people, but Doc, they want to hear from you. And I was like, all right, all right, uh, yeah, I'll do a solo episode. But, you know, I really didn't want to just sit behind this microphone and share my thoughts because, I, you know, imposter syndrome, number one, you say, who wants to hear from me? Who cares what I think? Um, but I have learned that the more that I share, the more that I connect with my audience. So that's one thing. The other major thing that I had to overcome is, number one, you want people to listen to your podcast, but you don't want them to listen to your podcast at the same time, right? <laughs> so that first three months, I was like, uh, let me tell my family, let me tell my close friends. I don't want any coworkers to know, you know, <laughs> but it took a while to get comfortable enough to say, hey, I'm Dr. Burgess. I'm an orthopedic surgeon. I'm a podcaster. Check out my show. Let me know what you think or, you know, spread it along. Tell other people about it. But once I got to that point. Number one, if you want your show to grow, you have to tell people about it. Yeah. And if you want your show to grow, you have to talk to other people, get on other people's shows as a guest, and they don't know about you unless you tell them. So that was another major hurdle that I had to overcome was actually telling people about my podcast. Oh, man, dude, that's I'm exact same because I feel like there's a I hate marketing. I hate right <laughs> pushy like this salesman pitch so yeah. this we're recording actually the week after the SNMA AMEC conference so yeah. this past weekend I actually went to the conference by myself um and I had some business cards and I was out there like on the conference floor talking to pre-med to medical students and I tell you I mean it was draining it was draining because yeah. again I'm not that extroverted person but it was actually sure incredibly rewarding a couple of folks coming up to me and like oh hey I listened to the podcast thanks for doing it. I was like oh you listen to uh to this whole thing um but it was it was incredible to see and experience that uh interaction with people especially since we've been apart for for two years with the uh, pandemic yeah absolutely yeah, I'm going to challenge you right here on your own show because Uh-oh. people need to hear from you 
because I guarantee you there is not another doctor in America that was a cow herder, an electrician, <laughs> you know, had a career, started their career in the military and now transitioned to private practice. Find me another person in America with that and I'll, I'll let you off the hook. <laughs> All right. Challenge accepted. We're going we to put some, some stuff out. Uh, Dr. Yeah. Burgess, man, thanks for coming on the show. Um, with regards, so first of all, where can people find you? Yeah, so Time Out with the Sports Doctor podcast is available where all um, podcasts are from Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Um, I have a website, which is pretty much the one-stop shop. It's Time Out mm-hmm. with the, excuse me, it's Dr. Derek, the sports doctor.com. Um, and if you go to that website, you're able to see all the episodes. Um, you're able to contact me either by voicemail or by email. Um, even if you're interested in being on the show, you can go to the register as a guest tab and leave your information and I'll reach back out to you. Um, and also you can give us a rating and review the the podcast. So that's the one stop shop to find everything. Um, I'm available. You know, can also find me on Facebook at um, Dr. Derek, the sports doctor, as well as on Instagram. Yeah, and you um, definitely we're going to first we're going to put all this information in the show notes so you can go there and hit the links. Um, on Instagram, uh, Derek has a ton of content where he's he puts up clips of his interviews, and you know he's got like he says athletes and and business folks and other positions, and it's it's incredible, especially if you're into sports, to hear his perspective and what he is bringing out of each guest that he has on the show. Well, thank you. And and we can't uh, we can't get out of here without shouting out Dr. D Darko host to the yeah. Docs Outside the Box podcast. I actually met him for the first time in person this past weekend as well. Really? But he is, okay. uh, I don't know, our podcast daddy. I don't know. Man, granddaddy. <laughs> he got he's us, probably yeah. a granddaddy now. Yeah, Grand- he's six years <laughs> in this thing. So that is yeah, six so. years. It's like dog years. So he's at least, you know, 42 on podcast. God, yeah, the godfather. Uh, Need Doc. Yeah. Check out his podcast, man. He's on there with his wife. Um, they're doing some incredible things. And, you know, if you're interested in building this platform you can talk to either of the the three of us Mm -hmm. and you know i'm sure we'd all love to get you plugged in there's so much we'll have to do a whole other episode where we talk about building and and launching a podcast Derek. if you're down we'll we'll get that oh absolutely absolutely awesome because there's so many so many lessons and if you learn it from someone else it can Mm -hmm. save you years of frustration honestly absolutely Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Black Doctors Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Burgess, orthopedic surgeon and host of Time Out with the Sports Doctor here because representation matters. Absolutely. The Black Doctors Podcast is a nonprofit volunteer passion project with the goal of inspiring all who listen. If you enjoy listening, tell a friend about the show or share a link on social media. We are a small team and can use all the help we can get. You can reach us at the Black Doctors Podcast on Instagram or at Stephen Bradley MD on Twitter or Instagram. Tune in next week for another episode of the Black Doctors Podcast because representation matters.